What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Time Traders by Andre Norton. Chapter 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by R.J. Davis The Time Traders, Chapter 2 Ross, absorbed in the scene before him, was not prepared for the sudden and complete darkness which blotted out not only the action, but the light in his own room as well. What? His startled voice rang loudly in his ears, too loudly, for all sound had been wiped out with the light. The faint swoosh of the ventilating system, of which he had not been actively aware until it had disappeared, was also missing. A trace of the same panic he had known in the cockpit of the atom jet tingled along his nerves. But this time he could meet the unknown with action. Ross slowly moved through the dark, his hands outstretched before him to ward off contact with the wall. He was determined that somehow he would discover the hidden door, escape from this dark cell. There, his palm struck flat against a smooth surface. He swept out his hand, and suddenly it passed over emptiness. Ross explored by touch. There was a door, and now it was open. For a moment he hesitated, upset by a nagging little fear that if he stepped through he would be out on the hillside with the wolves. That's stupid. Again he spoke aloud. And just because he did feel uneasy, he moved. All the frustrations of the past hours built up in him a raging desire to do something, anything. Just as long as it was what he wanted to do and not at another's orders. Nevertheless, Ross continued to move slowly, for the space beyond that open door was as deep and dark a pit as the room he left. To squeeze along one wall, Using an outstretched arm as a guide was the best procedure, he decided. A few feet further on, his shoulder slipped from the surface, and he half tumbled into another open door. But there was a wall again, and he clung to it thankfully. Another door. Ross paused, trying to catch some faint sound. The slightest hint that he was not alone in this blind man's maze. But without even air currents to stir it, the blackness itself took on a thick solidity which encased him as a congealing jelly. The wall ended. Ross kept his left hand on it, flailed out with his right, and felt his nails scrape against another surface. 
The space separating the two surfaces was wider than any doorway. Was it a cross-quarter? He was about to make a wider arm sweep when he heard a sound. He was not alone. Ross went back to the wall, flattening himself against it, trying to control the volume of his own breathing in order to catch the slightest whisper of the other noise. He discovered that lack of sight can confuse the ear. He could not identify those clicks, the wisp of fluttering sound that might be air displaced by the opening of another door. Finally, he detected something moving at floor level. Someone or something must be creeping, not walking toward him. Ross pushed back around the corner. It never occurred to him to challenge that crawler. There was an element of danger in this strange encounter in the dark. It was not meant to be a meeting between fellow explorers. The sound of crawling was not steady. There were long pauses, and Ross became convinced that each rest was punctuated by heavy breathing, as if the crawler was finding progress a great and exhausting effort. He fought the picture that persisted in his imagination, that of a wolf snuffling along a blacked-out hall. Caution suggested a quick retreat, but Ross's urge to re rebellion held him where he was, crouching, straining, to see what crept toward him. Suddenly there was a blinding flare of light, and Ross's hands went to cover his dazzled eyes, and he heard a despairing choked explanation from near the floor level. The same steady light that normally filled hall and room was bright again. Ross found himself standing at the juncture of two corridors. Momentarily, he was absurdly pleased that he had deduced that correctly. And the crawler? A man. At least the figure was a two-legged, two-armed body, reasonably human in outline, was lying several yards away. But the body was so wrapped in bandages and the head so totally muffled that it lacked all identity. For that reason, it was the more startling. One of the mittened hands moved slightly, raising the body from the ground so it could squirm forward an inch or so. Before Ross could move, a man came running into the corridor from the far end. Murdoch recognized Major Kilgaris. He wet his lips as the Major went down on his knees beside the creature on the floor. Hardy! Hardy! That voice, which carried the snap of command whenever it was addressed to Ross, was now warmly human. Hardy, man! The Major's hands were on the bandaged body, lifting it, easing the head and shoulders back against his arm. It's all right, Hardy. You're back. Safe. This is the base, Hardy. He spoke slowly, soothingly, with the steadiness one would use to comfort a frightened child. Those mitten paws, which had beat feebly into the air, fell onto the bandaged wrath chest. Back? Safe? The voice from behind the face mask was a rusty croak. Back? Safe, the Major assured him. Dark. Dark all around again, protested the croak. Just a power failure, man. Everything's all right now. We'll get you into bed. The mitten pawed again until it touched Kilgari's arm. Then it flexed a little, as if the hand under it was trying to grip. Safe? You bet you are. The Major's tone carried firm reassurance. Now Kilgari's looked up at Ross as if he knew the other 
had been there all the time. Murdoch, get down to the end room. Call Dr. Farrell. Yes, sir. The sir came so automatically that Ross had already reached the end room before he realized he had used it. Nobody explained matters to Ross Murdoch. The bandit's hardy was claimed by the doctor and two attendants and carried away, the major walking beside the stretcher, still holding one of the mitten hands in his. Ross hesitated, sure he was not supposed to follow, but not ready either to explore further or return to his own room. The sight of Hardy, whoever he might be, had radically changed Ross's conception of the project he had too speedily volunteered to join. That what they did here was important, Ross had never doubted. That it was dangerous, he had early suspected, but his awareness had been an abstract concept of danger, not connected with such concrete evidence as Hardy crawling through the dark. From the first, Ross had nursed vague plans for escape. Now he knew he must get out of this place, lest he end up a twin for Hardy. Murdoch, having heard no warning sound from behind, Ross whirled, ready to use his fist, his only weapons. But he did not face the Major or any of the other taciturn men he knew held positions of authority. The newcomer's brown skin was startling against the neutral shade of the walls. His hair and brows were only a few shades darker, but the general sameness of color was relieved by the vivid blue of his eyes. Expressionless, the dark stranger stood quietly, his arms hanging loosely by his sides, studying Ross. As if the younger man was some problem, he had been assigned saw. When he spoke, his voice was a monotone, lacking any modulation of feeling. I am Ash. He introduced himself baldly. He might have been saying this is a table and that is a chair. Ross's quick temper took spark from the other's indifference. All right, so you're Ash. He strove to make a challenge of it, and what is that supposed to mean? But the other did not rise to the bait. He shrugged. For the time being, we have been partnered. Partnered for what? demanded Ross, controlling his temper. We work in pairs here. The machine sorts us. He answered briefly and consulted his wristwatch. Mess call soon. Ash had already turned away, and Ross could not stand the other's lack of interest. While Murdoch refused to ask questions of the Major or any others on that side of the fence, surely he could get some information from a fellow volunteer. What is this place anyway, he asked. The other glanced back over his shoulder. Operation Retrograde. Ross swallowed his anger. Okay, but what do they do here? Listen, I just saw a fellow who had been banged up as if he had been in a concrete mixer, creeping along this hall. What sort of work do they do here, and what do we have to do? To his amazement, Ash smiled. At least his lips quirked faintly. Hardy got under your skin, eh? Well, we have our percentage of failures. They are as few as is humanly possible to make, and they give us every advantage that can be worked out for us. Failures at what? Operation Retrograde. Somewhere down the hall, a buzzer gave a muted whirr. That's mess call, and I'm hungry even if you're not. 
Ash walked away as if Russ Murdoch had ceased to exist. But Ross Murdoch did exist, and to him that was an important fact. As he trailed along behind Ash, he determined that he was going to continue to exist, in one piece and unharmed, Operation Retrograde or no Operation Retrograde. And he was going to pry a few enlightening answers out of somebody very soon. To his surprise, he found Ash waiting for him at the door of a room from which came the sound of voices and a subdued clatter of trays and tableware. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.